Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. On this podcast, I am your host, Renee Fox, and I chat to various people who are willing to be open and vulnerable about their own experiences with mental health and sport. Please keep in mind that the things discussed on this podcast are people's own experiences and is not medical advice. If anything in these episodes is triggering for you or you feel like you need assistance, please contact a health professional or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Perfectly Fluent Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Jenna. Jenna competed in her first Olympics in Tokyo in 2021. Jenna talks about her start in swimming in country Victoria. She had a great start in her career, making junior Australian teams before falling very ill in and out of hospital for some time, leading to her not being able to swim. After an extensive period away from the pool to recover, Jenna was back to it and after finishing school, packed up her life in four days to make the move to Queensland. Whilst being ill was a major setback, it also led to many unwelcome comments about her body and appearance. Jenna is also a really big advocate for mental health and sports psychology, which we discuss further. She has achieved so much in her swimming career so far, and I can't wait to see what her future holds. I love turning to Jenna, and it was captivating to hear her journey. I hope you enjoy it too. Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those that don't know you, would you like to give a bit of an overview of who you are? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Jenna Strosh and I'm a member of the Australian Dolphin Swim Team um, and I just competed at the recent Tokyo Olympics so that's been pretty big for me. I started my swimming career in country Victoria in Bendigo and from there I've sort of moved around and I'm now living and training on the Gold Coast under Richard Scurse at Miami. Um, I've been on the team for about three years, the Australian team that is, and I had a bit of a journey on the way, as most swimmers do. But um, yeah, I'm excited to sort of be here and talk to you guys about my experience in the sport and and all things related to that. Yeah, that's awesome. And first, I just want to say, how does it feel to say I'm on the Australian swim team and just competed at the recent Olympic Games? How does it feel to say that out loud? It's pretty surreal, actually. Like, I kind of like, oh, it didn't feel real for a long time. But probably in the last sort of month or so, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I actually went to an Olympics and I think actually watching the Winter Olympics sort of made that set in for me to be like, oh, wow, like, is this what it was like back home watching when we were over there? So I think it's just sort of settled in and yeah, it's pretty much a, it's a massive privilege and honour really. And I'm just, yeah, I worked hard for it, but I'm also so lucky that I got that opportunity in, in the climate that we're in. Yeah. And I, I can't even imagine, but I would like to think that you know you have this goal of going to the Olympics and that's everyone's sort of dream and then to actually get there it almost feel a bit imposter like when you come back like yeah I did it but like did I do it like was it me yeah absolutely it's 100% like that and a lot of people talk about I guess they call it the post-Olympic blues I wouldn't necessarily say it's always the blues but it is it's that realization of setting in that you it's something you've worked towards for years and years and it's the dream and then all of a sudden it happened and you're like why did I go did I not go was that it was that not it like um but yeah so it's pretty cool 
Yeah, it, it's amazing. And we'll get further into that a bit later on in the chat. But first, I'd like to start with how you got into swimming. And you said that, you know, you grew up in country Victoria. What was the beginning mm-hmm. like for you? Yeah, so I kind of have a different story to a lot of people. Um, I obviously always learned how to swim. I think that's sort of token in Australia. We live in the waters, so we're always learning how to swim. But um, growing up, I was a terrible, terrible sleeper. Um, I didn't sleep at all, uh, much to my parents' disgust. And my dad actually played AFL and he had quite a few injuries and he ended up needing to swim in the morning for his rehab and me being the bad sleeper that I am um, that was a way of them dragging me out of the house early in the morning was to go swimming with him so that's how I actually got into the sport it was sort of bonding with my dad he would go for his rehab and I was a bad sleeper so I would go along and and I do, I'm pretty sure it was 10 laps and then he'd take me to the bakery afterwards. So <laughs> that's how I kind of got into swimming. Um, and then from there, I sort of saw the squad in a few lanes over and joined in with them. And then it sort of just progressed from there. And I loved it and I seemed to be pretty good at it. And, and it just sort of went from there. So it's sort of an out there kind of way that I got into the sport, but it also has such fond memories for me, like, those times that I spent with my dad and and then how it sort of happened was just really natural yeah and I mean what a way to start your morning a few laps and then to the bakery (laughs) I know right I know it was so bizarre but um that was yeah it's good memories yeah so how did you then progress like obviously you know it was bonding time with your dad and then you could see the squad how did it progress from you know swimming I guess from the squad and then you know I know that you've now moved up in to Queensland what was that sort of progression like it was um sort of a long quite a bit of a journey so from Bendigo um, I was sort of swimming there and I started to really be traveling to Melbourne quite a bit for competitions and things like that and a club in Melbourne was helping me out one day when my Melbourne Vixen it was um, at the time when my coach wasn't able to be there from Bendigo and then I sort of realized that I was like oh my gosh I could get such good opportunities if I went to Melbourne just things that I was very grateful for my upbringing and for what swimming had given me in country Victoria but I was just going to naturally get more opportunities in Melbourne so I was lucky that I got a scholarship to a school in Melbourne and um, moved to Melbourne when I was in, well, originally, actually, on a Monday, I would leave school early in Bendigo and my parents would drive me to Melbourne. I'd train Monday night, Tuesday morning in Melbourne, drive back and do the same thing on Friday and Saturday. And that was sort of just like a tester to see whether it was going to work and whether it was something I sort of wanted to do, whether I enjoyed it. And I loved it. And so from there, yeah, I got a scholarship to school as well, a really nice school. And um, then what happened was my dad has a sort of a big business in Bendigo and I have two younger brothers. So what my parents decided would be that myself, my mom and my two brothers would move to Melbourne and we would live there so I could train and make the most of the opportunities that were on offer and my dad would stay in Bendigo and work and he would drive to us on the weekends so we sort of went the weeks without dad and then we'd have him on the weekends so we did that for four years um, and so my parents lived apart for essentially four years (laughs) Um, and so it was a huge sacrifice from my 
all of my family, but I was very fortunate that I was brought up that you take every opportunity you can when it happens. And it wasn't just the swimming. It was also the education that I was getting and same for my brothers. So we spent four years there and that's when I really sort of started to push on. Um, I won my first, I think it was national age in the 100 and the 200 breaststroke. And then I sort of started to make some junior teams and really, really moved ahead in the swimming world. Um, and it came to 2013, it was. And at, I was swimming at, what was it, Australian Trials for World Championships in Budapest that year. And I came second to Sally Foster in the 200 breast. I think I was 15 or 16 maybe, but I missed the qualifying time for the senior team by about 0.3, I think it was. So narrowly missing the senior team. But because I was so young, I made the junior team and we went to Dubai. But over there, I had a few little things go wrong and I ended up getting really sick with three parasites. So then by the time I came home, I was pretty much rushed straight into hospital and I sort of spent the next nine months in and out of hospital, basically. I lost so much weight, I couldn't eat and I think I was really malnourished um, just due to these sort of parasites. And so then I wasn't swimming. I physically couldn't I kept trying to and that was really where I struggled mentally because what I wanted to do wasn't actually what I could physically do so there was a bit of a challenge there and that was a big part of my journey and seeing everyone else move forward in my events and me being stuck where I am I remember distinctly watching the 2000 and what would it have been uh Commonwealth Games in 2014 the year after and that was so tough because I just missed the team the year before and then I was sitting at home watching pretty much bedridden so that was pretty challenging and then it took me about another year and a year a year and a half to actually get fully healthy and back in the water and back to training and then from there, I sort of decided when I chose to come back to swimming, because again, going through all of that, it was a long journey. It was a long road back to where I had to be. Um, and I didn't know whether I wanted to do it, but I made the decision at that time that I loved the sport. I loved what it gave me and that I was going to go back and anything that I achieved or anything that I did from then on was a bonus. I was lucky to be in the sport and that's the approach that I took. And then I finished school shortly after and I needed a change. I'd been through obviously a lot at that point in my life and I decided that I was going to move to Queensland. <laughs> That's where all the swimmers like to go. But for me, it was also the opening of the next chapter, the opening of me being able to just go and enjoy my life and enjoy my swimming wherever that sort of led me. And so I decided on a Tuesday and I flew out on a Saturday. So <laughs> it was literally like packed up my life in four days, moved out of home. I was 18 and moved to Queensland. So, and I've been here now six years and it was the best decision I ever made. Like there was challenges, of course, but I just loved it. I think the change is what I needed just to sort of get over everything that I had been through. And from there, I've just sort of, gotten back in it took me five years before I swam the same time that I did in 2013 so 
it was a challenge. Um, but then once I sort of got to that momentum started flowing and I'd built really good relationships with my coach and then all of a sudden I made sort of a senior team and then another senior team and then an Olympics. So it's all kind of been pretty surreal for me in that sense that having happened what happened, I didn't even know if I was going to make that distance. Like I said, it was just whatever happened coming back into the sport was a huge bonus for me. So that's how I've ended up where I am. It's quite <laughs> a long-winded story, but that's sort of um, how I am and living here six years, training in the same place under the same coach and I can't imagine it any other way really. Yeah, and I can't even begin to comprehend how the toll that would take on you physically and mentally. How do you battle that? Because I imagine, one, it would be quite lonely and feel quite isolating and then next, like coming back into the sport mentally, you know what you're capable of doing, but your body physically just not responding in the way that you want it to. Absolutely. And for me, the physical side of things was challenging, but that's kind of takes its own course. You can do what you can do. You can't take control of that. But it was the mental side of it that was the most challenging because originally when I was sick, I kept trying to push myself into things that I couldn't do. So then I was getting quite frustrated with that. But also because of the nature of what I was going through, a lot of people were commenting on what I looked like. Um, not in a bad way, but there was a lot of comments, oh, you know, she's anorexic, she's starving herself, all of these sort of things. And that was a really, really hard challenge for me because it wasn't intentional. I wasn't trying to do that. I wasn't suffering from that. But navigating that was a huge challenge as well. And I became quite self-conscious um, just, just through that. Um, and I was fortunate and I'm a huge, huge advocate for psychology, um, especially sports psychology, um, in that sense that when I went to someone, it wasn't sports stuff that we did first. But working through this and getting my confidence up to actually be able to stand in the sport and do what I love, and then from there, performance-related stuff. So that's what came on. But then also the other side of that was seeing other people move ahead and knowing that I could do that too, but at that time I couldn't. That was quite hard, but that came back to self-belief really at the end of the day. And that was an inner belief in myself that I knew what I was capable of and I knew a time would come where I would get the opportunity to show myself that. And I think I made it more of an internal thing rather than an external thing, that it was about myself and showing myself what I was capable of doing and that I wasn't going to be defined by what had happened to me. That was just a chapter in my life. That was the cards I was dealt. And I was going to do stuff to protect myself and show myself what I was capable of. So I think it was that shift in mentality from the external factors to more internal that really helped me push along and sort of make my way through the sport again yeah and obviously you know in that situation where you are unwell you know your body changes and things like that how do you cope with that in like just looking in the mirror and then you know other people making comments and the comparison trap that it's so easy to fall into I mean as soon as we're in bathers like there you can't hide (laughs) (laughs) and you know what like that is the thing you can't hide and I think initially it was more I'm quite open now and not really affected by people's comments 
but back then I was because I was vulnerable and I think at the time there wasn't enough education around that this is a little bit more now around what things look like or what you should or shouldn't say to someone and and things like that but the comparison was hard um, and it can be very easy to get caught up in what other people are doing but I was very fortunate that I sort of fell into a really good relationship with a psychologist and they really helped me with that and it comes back to your own confidence and the reason why you're doing something and I wasn't doing something suing to get anyone's approval or whatever and having been through that massive loss of weight and then from there I ended up with a thyroid issue so I quickly gained heaps of weight so it was a real huge fluctuation and it was more realizing that it didn't matter what size I was or what I was going through it was what I wanted to achieve for myself and if I was swimming quick it didn't matter what or I was feeling good in the water it didn't matter what size I was didn't matter at the end of the day so yeah it was a challenge it definitely was a challenge but I'm very thick-skinned now (laughs) um and I do feel really sorry for young kids that are sort of navigating that at the moment like it's a really tricky tricky situation to go through um but yeah for me I just had to go back to why I was doing it and I was doing it for myself so it didn't matter what size I was as long as I was getting what I wanted to out of the pool yeah and that's so important to remember that you know it's about what your body can do not necessarily what it looks like exactly and there's certain periods in your life where you're going to be bigger and you're going to be thinner I mean I'm a female that's just the way that biologically we're made to be and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything um it's just what I need at that time and there's certain times in my life that I needed to be bigger I needed the strength there's certain times that you need to be thinner like whatever and it's just working out what's best for you and everyone's body's different and I'm in a really good place now and I have been for a long time and being content in where I'm at and knowing that this is where I'm swimming the best that I am and yeah yeah, that's really awesome to hear. And it's also really good to hear you say how passionate you are about psychology and particularly sports psychology. Mm-hmm. What was the turning point for you that made you reach out to go seek that extra support? I'm very lucky that I have a really close relationship with my parents, obviously having gone through the whole journey that we went through. And I was sort of getting really caught up in it and just couldn't see the forest for the trees that they say. I was really anxious about a lot of different things it wasn't necessarily swimming and my mom actually reached out and she's like this you're not right you're not feeling right like you really need to do something about it and it wasn't until she sort of pointed that out to me that I realized within myself that no I wasn't feeling myself I wasn't able to cope with things and also came to terms with going to a psychologist doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you mentally or there's something necessarily wrong with you, but it's giving you strategies to deal with just everyday life and things that arise. And in sport, we have so many more factors that we have to come up with. So as soon as I changed that mindset from necessarily thinking that something was wrong with me and that I was broken, but rather that I needed help in coming up with strategies that work for me to navigate what I wanted to achieve, that I sort of went and reached out and 
I'm still with the same psychologist for the last six years and I don't plan on and changing for that reason. And what we've worked through has changed over the years. And now we do a lot more performance related stuff. But originally I was, we barely touched on swimming. Um, and it was again, sort of coming up with those strategies to get past my past, get past everything else and move forward and, and be content. So that was sort of the turning point for me. And so I guess that's a thing, whether it's a friend or a family member, or if someone reaches out and sort of says, you know, are you okay? Like, is there something wrong? You're not seeming yourself. Sometimes that's sort of the wake up call that you need to actually realize yourself because you kind of get caught in this paradigm of not realizing what's going on <laughs> to yeah. yourself. Yeah. And hundred percent. And it's so important to have that support network around you. And, you know, it's great that you had someone like your mom, like, you know, you don't seem like you, something's not right. And I would love to see in our lifetime where people can just see a psychologist and assume that it's like, oh, well, you know, I need help. Like I'll go get a maths tutor or, you know, I want to be better at swimming. I'll go get a coach or my shoulder's a bit niggly. I'll go to the physio. Like just going to that person who has more knowledge than you. Absolutely. And I would 100% I sit here today and I would not be where I am if I hadn't gone and done that. There's no way I'd still be in the sport there is just no chance and I think that's why I'm such a huge advocate for it and and I really think that it we need more of this especially in swimming but across all sports and I think it's just breaking down those barriers between you know the stigma that has been around traditional psychology for so long and sort of working out where it fits and you know, I think we're slowly getting there. It's a long journey, but <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. And I think quite often we hear, you know, uh, at, particularly at the Olympics, when you have those post-race or post-game interviews where people sort of say, oh, you know, what went wrong? They always talk about, oh, you know, I got too confident or I got too comfortable or I got stuck in my head or I was anxious or nerves. It's all about these mental aspects that have influenced their performance, but yet, seeing a sports psychologist is sort of taboo still, but it's such a mental game in sport. And I think too, like, it's also part of that. It's not going to be a one size fits all kind of situation. And I did try probably two or three different psychologists before I found someone that actually really gelled with me and really what I felt understood me. And so I think that's can be really tricky too when people not necessarily have a positive experience with the psychologist straight away um, it can sort of put them off but it does take time you know to find we're not all friends in the world unfortunately not everyone is friends you find people that are like you and same with coaches not everyone every coach works for every swimmer or every athlete so I think sometimes people need to give psychology a chance to actually find someone that works for you because it might not be one person or the first person you go to. That's definitely something I struggled with when I first started seeing a psych as well. And I had, I think it was my cousin that said it to me. She's like, you have to think of it like speed dating. And I was like, <laughs> what are you on? And she's like, no, like you're not going to meet like your soulmate necessarily on the first date. Like sometimes it takes a few to get through before you find someone that you click with. And as you said, like a friend, like you're not going to necessarily be friends with everyone out there. The psychologist you meet for the first time isn't necessarily going to be the one for you. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, it's, it is a tricky landscape at the moment, but I am really strong advocate in finding someone that works for you. And it might not be anyone related to the sport, 
anyone related to swimming, anyone related to anything, but someone completely objective. It's again, different for everyone. Yeah. And I'd love to ask you this question and I could be totally off base by asking this. Do you think that, you know, part of, you know, your reason for returning to the sport, you know, your, your family was able to sacrifice so much to help you in your swimming career that you sort of felt like you owed them the, the right to perform at a certain level because they had sacrificed so much. That was definitely something I went through, especially when I was sick, it was an extreme amount of guilt. And it wasn't guilt because they made me feel that way. It was my own internal guilt. I'm definitely a people pleaser as a lot of people are. And I like to make people happy and proud. And my family gave up so much for me to sort of pursue what I wanted to pursue. But again, having that close relationship, I actually voiced that. And I said, this is how I am feeling. And that is not at all how they felt. Um, Yes, they had sacrificed a lot, but their view was that they'd given not just myself, but my two younger brothers some opportunities that they wouldn't have got otherwise. They got to move to a city and go to great schools as well and meet new people and get exposure in a city environment as well that they wouldn't have gotten if we stayed in in country Victoria. So as soon as we had that discussion and I realised that the actual picture was bigger than me, it was a choice we made as a family and yes, it was to help me pursue my swimming, but it was a choice to help everyone in the family get the best out of themselves. So I guess I was fortunate that that's how my family thought of it and hearing that from them made a difference because I was, I was not in, I was feeling so guilty. It's huge. My parents lived away from each other for four years. Like that is not an easy thing to do, but um, there were a lot of positives that came came from it as well um and and yeah so that's sort of how I got through it and the number one thing is my parents never pushed me into swimming at all and when I was going through this they kept saying are you sure you want to do this like is this worth it like we don't care stop like Mm. you know is this too much from your body like we don't want to see you this it must have been awful for them because I was so sick I was in hospital a lot so they just cared that I was well and living and alive so um it was at the end of the day my choice to come back um it was again me wanting to prove to myself that I wasn't defined by adversity that it wasn't my sickness that made me who I was and and I think when I did come back I realized that I was wasn't just a swimmer growing up I'd always been that girl that was a really good swimmer you know at school she's the swimmer or this or that but having gone through what I went through, I realized that, no, I'm not just a swimmer. I'm actually a person and I'm a person first. And what I do as a person is more important than what I achieve as a swimmer. And I chose to go back because I enjoyed it. And that's what made me happy as a person. So I think that was the shift. It wasn't sort of me going back because I, you know, I was a swimmer. My parents had gave up so much like to help me be a swimmer. It was more that I went back because I wanted to do something that I loved. Yeah. And I think that's super important. And the main reason why you should go back into something, because like it's a massive time commitment. I mean, you probably still will always be that girl that rocked up to school with wet hair and someone like chlorine and goggle marks, but (laughs) also more than just that too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So 
I do a lot of stuff outside of the pool as well. And I think that's super important, having a balance in your life and other things that you enjoy. Um, so for me, that's sort of how I, how I look at it. And that's why I think I'm still in the sport. Yeah. What are those other things that you enjoy? I'd love to know what sort of balance you have. (laughs) I am quite busy actually. So I did an undergrad degree in biomedical science and I'm just in my master's at the moment in bioethics. So I'm a little bit of a sort of nerd. I really like science and medicine and (laughs) all that sort of thing. So I'm always doing that. But um, I also sort of work a bit casually for a company that sells tapware and sort of interior design and and I am really interested in housing and sort of flipping houses and things like that so there are other passions of mine um and so having that balance really helps because there's it's not every day where you come home from training and you've had had the best session ever or whatever but it's a chance for you to move on yeah leave that bad session in the pool and move on to something else and that's not going to change who I am when I go to uni or it's going to change who I am when I go to work. Like that's just part of it, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. I'd love to know what the lead into Tokyo was like for you. I think there was a lot of excitement. I think, you know, just, I guess we're not really post pandemic, but post lockdowns <laughs> um, <laughs> and the excitement and the build up, And, you know, we saw some really great swimming in the pool for trials. There was a lot of excitement and hype around Tokyo. What was it like for you? There was. And I think like a lot of people have asked, what was that extra year like? Like, was it a challenge, you know, being in lockdown and all of that? And at the time, I didn't really think about it. Like there was a job that had to be done and I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to make the team. So it didn't really matter that there was that extra year. But in saying that, I think because there was that extra year, it made everything so much more rewarding. And there was a lot of intensity leading in, obviously, being an Olympic year, everyone trying to get to where they wanted to go. But there was also this underlying excitement. And I knew at the point when I went to trials that I was feeling the best I'd ever felt. So whatever I put forward, whether I made the team or I didn't make the team, that was me in the best position that I could have been. So there was nothing more that I was going to change. There was nothing more that I could have done but to literally enjoy the journey and enjoy the ride that trials and making the team was and soaking up that excitement. Um, Someone actually told me about Usain Bolt. He used to think about going to race as the party. So he'd be like, oh, you know, put on my party shirt and I'm going out to party. And for me, that really resonated because that was the thing. All the hard work was done. There was no point in me really stressing, stressing, sorry, (laughs) stressing about what was going to happen at trials or if I was going to make the team because that was the exciting part I love racing so I just literally went out there to enjoy it and soak up that excitement so yeah it was I was definitely nervous for sure but it was just really nice to feel that in energy and that vibe Um, but in saying that trials can be a bit tricky because there are a lot of disappointment and a lot of happiness so it's also trying to keep you those emotions in check over that whole week um but I think to be honest trials was one of the best weeks of my life not just because I made the team but because of the environment that it was and I think part of that is due to what had come before in having that extra year and and everything yeah for sure how do you navigate 
a, an experience like that where there is so much going on and you want to just absorb all of it as it is, but also not let it overwhelm you and consume mm-hmm. you to still be able to perform and race as well as you want to. Absolutely. Um, again, for me, that was something that I'd prepared for. So I'd prepared for that with my psychologist. So we had sort of what you call, you have a race plan, but I had a mental race plan and that was spaced out over the whole week on how I was going to make sure that I could use that energy like that was from the environment and elevate my, use that to elevate my excitement levels. And when it sort of had to come back down and we'd actually planned for that. And I knew going through that, that it was a process. So I just literally had to go and follow what we'd planned out. And then I was going to be able to get the excitement from the environment, but not let it consume me and, and impact my racing. So again, that's probably where a psychologist comes into play a bit too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. How do you reflect back on how you performed and the experience in itself now? Yeah, I was so happy with how I performed. Um, I did massive PBs in the 100 and the 200. I just missed the team for the 100 as well. I got third and I had swum significantly quicker in um, the morning. But in saying that, the girl that came second is actually one of my best friends. So I actually was so happy that she made it as well. So it was just so exciting. And then I think moving on to the Olympics, that was a different ball game in itself. Um, and I was really proud of myself in how I performed at an Olympics because like everyone says, there's nothing really quite like the energy, the nerves, the everything that goes on at an Olympics. But also in saying that it was a little bit bittersweet because I just missed the final. I made the semi-final and then I got ninth. So just missing the final was so hard and to be honest, looking back on that, I really felt I struggled with that a lot because I I knew that I had potential and I was like, yeah, I just want to go again. I want to show myself that I could do more and be in that final. But um, I was also so proud to have even made a semi-final at my very first Olympics. So it was really this push and pull for a long time on how I felt about my overall experience. Yeah. So based on that, then what's next? What's the upcoming goals? Is it like, mm-hmm. I mean, I could do this. Like, what can I do next? Yeah. Um, I sort of, I went straight from the Olympics and went over to ISL and had the most incredible time over there and met heaps of people and did heaps of racing. But I also took that as a time to sort of work out where I wanted to go and what the next sort of years were going to look like for me in swimming, because having gone through what I went through, for me, my goal was like leading into them. It was just to make the Olympics and go and do the best performance that I could. And I hadn't thought past that. I didn't know whether I wanted to go again. I didn't know if that was going to be like me. No, I'm done. I did what I wanted to set, what I set out to do. Um, But I was like, I'm still improving and I still have more that I want to give and more that I want to showcase. So I've decided to sort of keep pushing and who knows what's around the corner. But at this stage, I um, am going to try and go to another Olympics. It is only two and a half years away. So that's my big goal. Um, And from there, we're sort of working back, I guess. And hopefully the Com Games this year, Worlds, who knows, things keep changing. But for me, I'm sort of looking ahead because it's only two 
close to two years away that we have another Olympics. So that's not long at all when you think about the lead up we had into Tokyo. So that's sort of where I'm at at the moment, but not trying to get too ahead of myself, but I'm trying, I really want to do make a final, if not medal or whatever, all those dreams that you have at your second Olympics. Um, and so I'm sort of trying to make changes now and learn where I need to improve in the water and out of the water and make those changes now so that I can move forward and hopefully make another team. Yeah. And I mean, cause it's such an extended period for Tokyo lead in, like this turnaround is so quick, particularly like in the swimming world, like com games and worlds and then Olympics bang, like so quick. It is so quick. And it's like, it's kind of scary when you look at a calendar and you see all these <laughs> events, all these events. But what I think the pandemic and everything else has taught us that is literally you don't know what's going to happen. So you can plan for those events, but you also just have to be ready to go with things as they come along and, and go with the flow. I mean, look, we've got floods here in Queensland at the moment. There's everything going on with Russia and Ukraine and there's so much going on in the world that's out of our control. So whether everything happens like that, I don't know, but um, I'm just sort of taking it as each little block as it comes and working towards those small things and, and hopefully they all go ahead, but who knows? And yeah. Yeah. It definitely teaches you how to adapt quickly and be flexible. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We've gotten used to that now too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to throw you a bit of a spanner question and take your time to think about this because yeah. <laughs> I didn't, didn't plan this, but do you have an embarrassing or funny story that's related to sport or swimming? Oh, that is it. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> Off the top of my head. Oh, sport or swimming. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm struggling to think of something <laughs> at the moment <laughs> on this spot. Um, I'm sure there is. I, to be honest, I'm like always do things and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? But I'm just like, oh, that's me. That's the way I am. <laughs> um, no, but I think that's part. Uh, I might have to get back to you on that one. Stay tuned. I might have to send you yeah. a little thing. <laughs> add in that's fine yeah I, I um I asked it in the previous interview and it was splitting of the bathers of race bathers and it's like yeah see that's never happened to me touch oh. wood, so. I mean I was standing behind the blocks one time and I looked down and realized that they were split right at the crotch and I had to swim 200 oh. brush stroke and I was like no. if I get out I'm not gonna have any bathers left when I finish this race <laughs> yeah no unfortunately uh, that has not happened to me but um I'm sure there'd be something. I've been in the sport too long for there not to be, but I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll it's think just about so it. normal that it's just not embarrassing anymore. It's just the norm. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that's part of the thing. We're always in swimmers, right? So we're quite used to everyone seeing us with very little on. So yeah, I guess it, you just kind of get used to it. Yeah, especially if you get deck changed, it's always guaranteed to flash someone at some point. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I've probably done that. That's probably something <laughs> embarrassing I've done. <laughs> yeah I'd love to do three questions and the first one is what is something that you're most proud of about yourself I think the biggest thing that I'm most proud of and I've sort of touched on a bit but is making the choice to come back to swimming because I loved it and not because it's something that I felt like I had to do um and then obviously without saying that it's obviously making the Olympic team (laughs) um 
but those two things would probably be the biggest thing that I'm most proud of. Yeah. I'm going to add another question in on that. And if, you know, Jenna going through that awful time where you're unwell, if you could speak to her now, what would you say? I would probably tell her to, to step away and get help earlier than I did. Um, I think in those really early days of being sick, if I had have had that support or relationship that I do now with the psychology, maybe the whole journey would have been a little bit different. Um, but it is what it is. And that's probably my big thing for people out there is that seeking advice from someone else doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you it's just going to help you get through the challenges that is life yeah 100 percent. what is your favorite quote and or the best piece of advice that you've been given mm-hmm. um my favorite quote is the hungry hound hunts hardest <laughs> it's Ooh. a bit of a tongue twister but i think it that is what it is if you want something and you really want it then you're going to go after it and that, that's what you'll get. And it's not necessarily just in swimming. I sort of try to live by that in everything, in what I want um, outside of the pool too. It's just about doing everything you can to get what you want and, and you will get it if you've got that dedication. Yeah, 100%. Any tips or advice for those that are listening? Probably my biggest thing would be to not let adversity define who you are because especially in the world of sport whether it's swimming or anything else no one makes it to the top or no one achieves what they want to achieve without going through some sort of story whether it's sickness like myself or whether it's injury or whether it's whatever it may be we're all going to struggle through times in our life and I think that as soon as you decide to not let that define who you are or what you want to do then you're going to be able to be a lot happier and achieve what you want to want to achieve with a smile on your face yeah 100 percent. and there's a quote and I can't think of the wording but it's something along the lines of um a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor is that what it is yeah it's definitely something like that it's something I like that, that. <laughs> yeah. but I feel like that relates to what you're saying in the sense that you know that yeah. you will be faced with challenges and setbacks but that helps you through your journey absolutely definitely well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your wholesome story and even <laughs> bits and pieces in and out of sport. It's been awesome chatting to you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And I just hope that this can sort of help someone else coming along the track in sort of the right direction. I'm sure it will. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perfectly Flawed Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends, family and on social media. And don't forget to tag the podcast in your post. It really helps me out a lot. If you like the podcast, please go give it a follow, rate and review. If you haven't checked out the current merch, you definitely should and go get your hands on it as soon as you can. Thank you so much for supporting me and I can't wait to be back in your ears in the next episode. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.